You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for soul and start again. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as usual by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Big shout out to all of our listeners. You guys have completely flooded us with voicemails. We are going to rapid fire through as many of these as possible in this episode before we welcome Carmen Vitale on for our final preview episode on Friday. So this is going to be a voicemail question and reaction heavy episode. And with that, David, I mean, unless unless there's anything you want to throw out there real quick, let's go ahead and start firing away. Yeah, let's get to it. Hey, James. Hey, David. This is Lex from San Jose. Twitter handle, Dan the Malformed. Uh... I mean, here we go. This is kind of the same story. You know, every year I remember distinctly my first voicemail, one of the first voicemails saying, when are we going to write this shit, you know? When is it all going to come together? And quite frankly, I didn't really have much hope kind of in the beginning just because I know the type of coach Kirk uh, Dirk Cutter is, the type of organization that we have. Um, I think we really, we need to just go to top to bottom. I think flesh everyone out. Uh, I think the saddest part of it is is that we have these players like Mike Evans, Gerald McCoy, you know, kind of in their prime and they're just like wasted, you know, and it's just, it's really hard to be a Bucks fan when you can see the potential of the team. You can see how coaches like Sean McVay get rosters, just kind of transform them, you know, completely. Uh, it just kind of, you know, makes me wonder when is it going to happen to us? Uh, hopefully we can get a couple wins, maybe just, you know, for the sake of the season, but I'd really like to hear your thoughts on, you know, kind of how we can use this off season to, you know, kind of build and really head towards something hopeful. Uh, go Bucks. Yeah, that's that's kind of the growing sentiment that I've that I've been saying. I I actually had an interaction with somebody on Facebook today uh, about you know Jason Light you know should go along with Cutter and the coaching staff because one of the points that he made, of course, he wasn't a big fan of some of the talent that Jason Light has brought in. And David and I touched on that topic on Tuesday show. If you'd like to go back and listen to it, but the thing is, is what what kind of head coach are you going to see take a job when the GM is on a one-year contract? Yeah, that was that was kind of the point that this guy was making when I was talking to him. And it's a valid point for sure. Because is Bruce Arians or or John Harbaugh or you know, whoever it is, are they going to be willing to take this job when they know that if they don't win this season, the guy that hired them could be out the door, and now their job is again in jeopardy. I, I don't know if there would be too many GMs that would be disappointed to come into a job where the roster has this much talent and they have a Bruce Arians or a John Harbaugh head, you know, as the head coach, but GMs typically want their guy. My argument was Jason Light, and David has said this numerous times, Jason Light hasn't had a true opportunity to go get his guy as the GM. He was hired after Lovey Smith, and then we all knew that Dirk Cutter was the guy. I mean, Jason Light pretty much just went through the motion of interviewing people when we all knew who was going to get the job. So I understand that if they're going to do this, if they're going to blow the whole thing up, it makes sense to do it from top to bottom. 
Right. I mean, the part of the reason that head coaches have become so so dispensable and so easily fired in the National Football League is is because, as many people have said in the past, is you can't replace your entire roster, but you can replace the coach pretty pretty easily. Um, there's there's 32 head coaching positions out there in the NFL, and there's many 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 more candidates who would be lining up to take those jobs. Same thing goes with same thing goes with the general manager. And as far as like what this team can do in the offseason, um, this is this is kind of a uh, a tough situation because really until we know what the Buccaneers are going to do at the general manager position. And then uh, obviously with the head coaching position and the coaching staff, what the team should do because the personality and, and the, and the, the football mantra of the people running the team, as far as the general manager and the coach has a lot to do with what, you know, that what the team should do. I mean, if you bring in a, a defensive minded coach who wants to install a three, four, well, how does that impact Gerald McCoy? Well, it's it's pretty significant to Gerald McCoy. Whereas if you bring in, you know, a defensive-minded head coach that likes to run out of a four-three pretty much exclusively, well, that's that's also going to have an impact. So it, it's hard to say. But I mean, if you're, if you're talking about those two positions, uh, we talked about it on the last episode as well. Uh, I, I'm 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 still a fan of Jason Light, and as of right now, you know, without any further information on on how things are operated there inside of of the Buccaneers organization. That's, that's kind of, that's probably going to stay my opinion on it uh, to be quite honest with you. And it all starts right there. If, if they keep Jason light, that's the first step in knowing which direction your team needs to go in for the future. All right. Well, David, who do we have next? Hey guys, it's Josh from Georgia. Morning in the Redskins game. You know, you literally have a team that has no wide receiving core, but at the same time, you have Alex Smith, who's a veteran, to take over that team and lead them to a victory. Um, you know, like you guys were saying, with 400 yards of offense on uh, or 500 yards of offense, you know, we only scored three points. Um, if we moved up Jeremy McCoy, if we got him out and we traded him, um, how much cap space would that leave? Um, and also, who would be available for the uh, defensive tackle position as far as free agency goes? Again, guys, thank you so much for the podcast, man. You guys are doing an awesome job, and uh, take it easy. All right, Josh, well, we, we certainly appreciate the kind words that, that you have for us. We appreciate you listening. Um, as far as letting Gerald McCoy go, um, Gerald McCoy is due $13 million in 2019. And if they release him, there's no, there's no dead cap money. You know, his, his salary isn't guaranteed, so they won't take a cap hit if they decide to outright cut him. Now, if they're going to move on from, you know, from Gerald McCoy, then you, you would think that they're going to try to trade him first. It may be one of those situations where, you know, you teams know that you're trying to move on from him and they're not going to give you anything because they know ultimately you're going to end up you know, releasing him anyway, and they can go out and they can get him for free. You know, that, that is a pretty, it is a pretty hefty saving. Um, you know, some other guys, if they, if they blow this whole thing up, other guys that you could see go out the door, Deshaun Jackson, $10 million, you know, zero on, on the cap hit Vinnie Curry, 
He's due $8 million. No, no dead money there. Cameron Braid, all of his guaranteed money was in this season. They saved $7 million if they let him go after this year. DeMar Dotson, uh, $4.85 million. Uh, again, no dead money if they, if they let him walk. There's a lot of, there's a lot of place or a, a lot of players that we could see shown the door, uh, based on, you know, them basically starting from scratch. When you talk about getting rid of Gerald McCoy, and, and that's a conversation that that we kind of uh, earlier in the week, and you know, I mentioned that I am a, I am a, uh, generally speaking, I'm a supporter of of trading Gerald McCoy, and um, I did state that it's not an anti Gerald McCoy thing; it's more for the long term health of the franchise. And I received a tweet from someone just the other day asking, you know, uh, for me to kind of expand on those thoughts, and I will uh, in the future, but not tonight, just because we do have some other voicemails to get to, and that's going to be pretty much one solid episode of discussion. I think as far as replacements are concerned, I mean, if you're trading. Gerald McCoy, you're probably targeting draft picks because to be quite honest with you, another NFL team is probably not going to trade a marquee player for a 31 year old defensive tackle. Uh, it's just, it's just not likely to happen. So what you're probably looking for is a draft pick where you can get a younger guy that hopefully can develop into, into someone that becomes kind of a, a keystone player uh, or a cornerstone player to your team. But there are some potential free agents coming coming up in 2019 that could possibly become available who are a little bit younger and might be a little bit cheaper even and could still pr- provide some value, not necessarily be you know a, a pro bowler right off the bat, kind of like how Gerald McCoy is every year. But uh, guys like David Irving, who I know you know is is, is banged up and everything, but uh, still potentially has some talent. Jonathan Hankins was a guy that I really liked as a free agent, and again, that kind of depends on what the defensive scheme is moving forward uh, from what we see. In, in the future from the coaching staff and everything else. And, and there, there's, there's a slew of other guys. I mean, there, there's always people available in free agency and, and we've seen this team be able to go out there and find some obscure talents and, and make them better in their system. And we've also seen this team go out and, and swing and miss on some people. So, you know, who knows who, who knows who might come in. Uh, the draft class is not set by any means. There's always late bloomers. There's always guys who make that late push or, you know, workout warriors or guys who go to the senior bowl and kind of show out. So there will be options to replace Gerald McCoy. And we still haven't seen, how Vita Vea is going to develop for the rest of the season. If he turns into kind of a force in the middle of that defensive line, then it may turn into where, you know, Vita Vea was drafted to kind of more be a role player supporter for Gerald McCoy, but it could turn in next year looking for a three tech who's more of that role player supporter off of Vita Vea. You know what I mean? Uh, so still plenty of time to see kind of what's going to happen there. So a lot of stuff. But like James said, I mean, it really just depends on on the mentality of the franchise. Are, are we starting from scratch? Are we are we, do we think we have a solid nucleus? We want to build on it. And how do we want to use the pieces that we have already to kind of help uh, move that process forward? But when, when you're talking specifically about Jerry McCoy, I am a, a, a fan of trading him. And again, like I said, at, at a, in a later episode, we'll get deeper into that. All right. Well, David, bring us the next one. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's uh, Chris at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this team. Uh, over the past few days, I've been using the um, the analogy that I feel like I'm in the upside down with this team, that, you know, none of it seems to be making sense. The moves, everything else um, just seems like stranger things as, well, this is the way I feel as a Bucks fan. I feel like I'm in this upside down and there's no way to get out until Dirk Cutter and his staff are gone, I guess, would be the only only way to possibly get me outside of this upside down. Um, that being said, James, uh, I don't know. I don't like the two other people's horns, but I sure as heck didn't see it going this way. And you, early in the offseason, said, hey, you know, we have the talent, but you thought overall it was just the coaching was the reason why this team wasn't successful. And, uh, yeah, props to you on that one because you nailed it. All right. Have a great day, guys. Thanks. 
All right, Chris, thanks the uh, thanks for the voicemail. Thanks for the props. You know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. So uh, I'm I'm sure I've if I went back and listened to all of our shows, I've been wrong far more often than I've been right. But I'll uh, I'll take what I can get. Um, it, it seems like and and I love the Stranger Things reference. I I thought season three was going to come out at Halloween, like the first two seasons, and I was sadly disappointed. Um. I, I feel like we all kind of say that every every couple years that we see the talent and we don't feel like we're going to get out from this rut until a coaching change happens. And then a coaching change happens and it's the same thing all over again. And that goes back to the conversation that David and I had regarding the Glazers. You know, how many times are they basically going to make the wrong decision hiring a, a GM or, or a coach? Because we went through it with Gruden, you know. Again, he won the Super Bowl, great, but other than that, he really wasn't. He wasn't a great talent evaluator. He wasn't a great coach, and we're seeing it again in Oakland. We went through it with Raheem Morris. We went through it with Greg Schiano. We went through it with Lovey Smith, and now we're going through it with Dirk Cutter. So, I mean, how many times are they going to swing and and miss on these decisions and continue to keep this this? franchise in a state of NFL purgatory. So, yeah, the the best we can do is just be patient and hope that the next hire is the right hire. All right. So I'm going to try to play off the Stranger Things analogy, right? Oh, boy. Here so we check go. It out. So the ability to win is what's stuck behind the wall, right? Those of us okay. out here who swear that we see the ability to win in this team, but everybody else is calling us crazy. We're Winona Ryder, whatever her character's name is. I don't remember either. And I swear that as soon as we can get all the lights strung together the right way to get them working in, in, in sync with each other, the entire thing is just going to bust wide open. Okay. All right. I like that. I've only like seen one season, well so done. hopefully that worked because it was all based off the first season. Yeah, I, it, it works for me. Yeah. So that's my response. Appreciate your voicemail, Chris. Yeah, Chris is uh, one of our favorite guys to interact with on Twitter. He's he's a lot of fun to chat with. Glad to hear him uh, call in and, and, and leave us a voicemail. All right, David. Bring on the next. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Jordan in Kansas. Sorry, I've been pretty quiet ever since that Chicago game. Been pretty tough to watch and uh, don't really have any predictions and nobody really has a clear answer on what the problem is. It's either personnel or it's coaching or it's just bad luck. Uh, not going to jump ship, though, quite yet. And Everybody has a chance to win every week. I definitely need the next few games to go our way, and I'll continue to listen to the show. As hard as it is to watch losses, and every year, same song, different dance. We're supposed to be good on paper. It's all hype, whether it be injuries or what have you. It seems like bad luck. Something always happens, and you're looking at hoping to go 500 instead of going into the season thinking that you're supposed to be a 11 12 win team just wanted to check back in and go bucks appreciate the uh the phone call and and next time you call in let me know what part of kansas you're from um i'm gonna bring this up real quickly because today would have been my granddad's 101st birthday and uh we actually sponsor a scholarship in his name at pittsburgh high school in pittsburgh kansas where baltimore ravens receiver john brown uh went to school he went to pittsburgh state there in kansas so pittsburgh kansas is very near and dear to uh to my heart and my family's heart so uh next time you call in let us know what part of kansas you're from i'm interested to know if you're if you're near that pittsburgh area but yeah it's kind of the 
David, it's it's the, the same sentiment from a lot of these a lot of these callers. It, it's gotten to the point where it's just it's deflating. You you see the talent is there, and you expect you know every season you expect it to finally be that year that they break through, and every year it's the same thing. Now here's here's something that I'll throw out there, and I'm not I've never been the kind of fan of any of my teams to root for losses. You know, I was the guy that even though it, it could have cost the Buccaneers the number one pick, I was rooting for them to beat New Orleans in that last game of the, the 2014 season. Now they they tanked the second half because they were winning somehow. Not really sure how that happened, but I, I wasn't that guy. And you know, I when I was working for for Pewter Plank, David and I were over there at the end of last season. Yeah, and I was running the Twitter account and you know was excited that the Buccaneers beat the Saints in the last game of the season and had a bunch of people, you know, blowing up dimensions. You know, that was so stupid. They should have lost on purpose. Now they cost themselves, you know, this many draft picks. And, you know, and now people are going back, you know, with that revisionist history. If we hadn't beat the Saints, we could have Quentin Nelson or, or things like that. But that's never been the type of person that I've been. That being said, I'm not going to tell fans how to cheer because let's say the Bucks do start to turn this thing around. Let's say they do win the next two. They beat the Giants and they beat the 49ers and they're to, they're back to five and six. Now they have a puncher's chance of getting back into the wild card hunt. Does that keep Cutter his job? I don't know. I doubt it, but it could. And then every win after that is affecting the draft stock because I firmly believe that there is, I know they're still mathematically in it. I would say there is a 0% chance the Buccaneers make playoffs, but if they fight back and they crawl and they, they do everything they can and end up at seven and nine or eight and eight, what if the Glazers look at that and say, you know what? This team didn't give up on the coach. They battled back. They finished better than they did the season before. Maybe Dirk Cutter has something here and they keep everybody. And then next season, it's the same thing all over again. So I don't know. It, it kind of depends on how you view this team, but you know, to me, it's it's so tough to sit there and look at it. It's like I I know fans get excited for that for that win, but in the long run, what could the ramifications be? That, that's very true. I mean, I, I'm never one to tell. I hate when I see people comment on you know Bucks Nation or on Twitter or Facebook posts or anything really where well a real fan would think this because that's that's never true. Um, a real fan is is a person who follows the team they're a fan of. How you choose to do that is up to you. If you're choosing to spend your Sundays doing other activities and then you'll catch the Bucks highlights on SportsCenter or whatever because you don't feel like you want to spend your time watching the game in, in person or on TV live. That's your prerogative. I mean, you can still be a fan. Maybe you're not as rabid of a fan or there's some other uh, some other words that people might use for that. So I don't I don't ever tell anybody how to cheer either. All I can do is sit here uh, myself and, and kind of control who I am and, and what I do and I'll never accuse anybody of, of not being you know true to their team or whatever it is. Um, that being said, as far as the part where you know nobody seems to have an answer of, of what the problem is, whether it's coaching, personnel, so on and so forth. Listen, it's not personnel. And here's the thing, like you you have guys out there who think that that this roster is talented on a scale of one to 10, uh, you know, 10 being best team in history, one being the worst team in history. Uh, this, this team is somewhere in like a six or a seven range. You got some of us who out there who think that, you know, the team is in an eight or nine range. I don't think anybody's really at the 10 range. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody's at the one. I think everybody's probably somewhere between three and eight at this point where we think the talent on this roster is. But the bottom line is this. The roster is full of NFL talent. Okay. That's, that's just, that's just 
the bottom line. If, if, if the roster wasn't full of NFL talent, then they would be getting blown out of every single game from, from the word go. So the, the are able are physically capable of playing football in the National Football League. We've seen this team win. We've seen this team be in position. We've seen the defense step up against NFL offenses. The offense step up against NFL defenses. So as far as personnel being the problem, that's not the problem now. Do you have some personnel weaknesses? Of course. Could we get better? Could the Buccaneers get better in certain spots? Of course. That's across the board. Every team in the National Football League. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles last year winning the Super Bowl. You tell me that team didn't have holes. They obviously had holes or they wouldn't have had any losses. And some of those holes got bigger when they lost certain players, which is why they're in the position they are now at four and five, you know, midway through the year. So that really only leaves a couple things. Morale could be a problem and that could be a very big problem. And I know these guys get paid millions of dollars and a lot of people want to want to lean on that and say, oh, you get paid millions of dollars to play a game. Uh, you should be motivated every day. Yeah. You know, and that that's, that's, and I understand people saying that, but when you're living that life, it becomes your life. It becomes like everybody else's life. There are people who dream of doing my job and would think that every morning I wake up, I must just love every everything about my life and every moment of it because I get to do what that person always grew up wanting to do. And don't get me wrong, I do enjoy my job. I enjoy my life. I'm very thankful. I'm very I'm very blessed and I appreciate it. However, I'd be lying if I didn't say there were moments, there are days where I'm like, oh, I got to do this again. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to work or, oh man, you know, I need a break or whatever. You know, the grass is always greener. You know, it's another day in paradise, so on and so forth. The problem is coaching. That, that's just the bottom line, okay? We've seen the defense, even with more banged up players since Mike Smith got playing better, at least, you know, on the, on the field. Some of the stats may not have gotten totally better and incredibly better, but the defense is playing better overall. Okay. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, we already broke down on, on an earlier episode, kind of the whole thing about the running game and this being a running team and focusing on the run. And, uh, and that's just one example of many, many examples we could go through um, that would lead us to getting fired because we would blow the locked on networks time, you know, target out of the water. But I do want to drop this one on you. Okay. When you look at the difference between coaching amongst teams, you look at another team that had struggles this season, the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was a time this season where everybody's like, oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are done. Mike Tomlin may not even and come back like this may be you know just like the end of a storied franchise and and all kinds of catastrophic things are going to happen in, in the city of pittsburgh and pennsylvania will never be the same right uh now they're six two and one they're very much in the driver's seat of their destiny and they're the same old pittsburgh Steelers. Right? how did that happen well it happened because of coaching adjustments okay let me drop this on you real quick james four out of the last five games james connor has had at least 19 at least 65 yards rushing okay Mm -hmm. four out of the last five games antonio brown has had at least 74 yards receiving per game those are all wins Three out of the first four games, two losses and a tie. Three games, James Conner carried the ball more than 15 times once. James Conner got more than 61 yards rushing. Three out of the first four games, Antonio Brown had more than 67 yards. You think that's a coincidence? Not at all. What that shows is that when Mike Tomlin came into the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, his offensive staff came into the season, they were a team that was like, because if you guys think back, Antonio Brown got targets after targets after targets. They just, right? And don't get me wrong, nine catches, 67 yards, nine catches. Six catches, 50 yards, and one touchdown is a really good game for some receivers, right? But for Antonio Brown in a losing effort, that's a really bad game. We saw early on that was like, oh, crap, we don't have Le'Veon Bell. We need to lean on Antonio Brown. We need to lean on Ben Roethlisberger. We need to lean on Juju Smith-Schuster, so on and so forth. And that's who we are for 2018 until we get Le'Veon Bell back, right? Gradually over those four weeks, what happened is Mike Tomlin went, huh, uh, this Connor kid's actually pretty good. And maybe we can lean on him a little bit more. This dude went from nine carries for 19 yards in ball against Baltimore to 21 is Atlanta. Tell me that's not a sh- right. So that's a coach 
whether or a conjunction of the two or a combination of the two, whoever, someone in the in the Steelers organization said, hey, guys, what we're doing is not working. Let's try something else. Maybe this will work. And then when they saw it working, 21 carries for 110 yards. Guess what they did the next week? 19 carries for 111 yards. Guess what they did the following week? 24 carries for 146. 24 carries for 107. Now this last week, 13 carries, 65 yards. Well, aha, David, they're going away from the run again. Yeah, Roger, they beat the Panthers 52 to 21. Go away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Th- those two numbers correlate together because the more the Steelers are running the ball, the better they're running the ball, the more defenses can't just hone in on Antonio Brown. So the better his numbers are also getting and the better the Steelers are doing as an offense. And it's because they have a coaching staff that's looking at the field, looking at the players, and they say, huh, something's not working. Like, I don't know, passing on every single play but two in the red zone. Let's try. And when that thing starts working, like you're running back averaging almost five yards of carry you stick with it until they stop it that's the problem how dare you make sense <laughs> sorry we can't have that around here david i'll go sit down uh, and color then <laughs> <laughs> all right david i have not checked the time how do we have time for one more or do we need to wrap things up uh unfortunately we're gonna have to wrap things up for now so we got to we got to the majority of them but unfortunately we are, are definitely up against the clock all right well please everyone continue to send those in we we know that you have a lot of thoughts a lot of frustrations uh, a lot of ideas as far as this team is concerned so please continue to send in those voicemails and, and if we keep getting flooded the way we were this week we'll continue to do these these rapid fire voicemail heavy episodes so as many of you can be heard as possible and of course when your voice is heard on the show you are entered in to win that autographed Quan Alexander jersey at the conclusion of the Buccaneer season which is looking more and more and more likely to happen before the end of this calendar year so you can do so by calling 813-444-5841 please check out everything that David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com and follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks at JayArco underscore Bucks and at DH82 underscore Bucks we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Hey, baby, hey, I just met you.